Most businesses, whether you're a small startup in a local shop or a giant global brand, one of their biggest challenges is figuring out what do you say to people so that they understand what you do, they know how to move forward, and ultimately they can buy very quickly from you. That is, I think, one of the number one challenges in business. Welcome to One Next Step, the most practical business podcast in the world, helping you get more done, grow your business, and lead your team with confidence with tips and tools you didn't get in business school. Here are your hosts, Trisha Shortino and Lisa Zeveld. Welcome to One Next Step, the practical business podcast that helps you run your business so it stops running you. I'm Trisha. And I'm LZ. Today, we have something extra special lined up for our listeners. Our very own Director of Marketing, Amy Appleton, sat down with Wes Gay, the Chief Guide at Wayfinder. He's a certified story brand guide who helps brands use the power of story to create a clear and compelling message for their employees and customers. So without further ado, here's Amy and Wes. Hey, Wes. Welcome to the One Next Step podcast. I'm super excited to talk to you today. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm honored to be here. Well, good. Wonderful. Well, we love to start off our podcast with just asking a completely random question to get us going. So tell me, um, what is the best concert that you've ever attended? Yeah, so... Uh, I'm going to answer like a politician, and it's going to be three concerts, and here's why. I'm going to go with the best concert season I've ever been a part of. Okay. And my first job out of college was in Orlando, Florida. And one of the things people don't understand about Orlando is so many people come through there, not only as tourists, but just touring acts come through. So while I was living there, uh, part of my job, I got a, had annual passes to Universal, like as part of (laughs) where I worked. Right. Well, in a six-week span— I saw Aretha Franklin and Earth, Wind, and Fire at Universal Studios. And then a friend of mine invited me to see oh Gladys, Gladys Knight somewhere else in Orlando. So in six weeks, I saw Gladys Knight, Aretha Franklin, and Earth, Wind, and Fire. So try oh to pick a, a top three, of, a top of one of those three. It's impossible. But it was to see Aretha Franklin singing all of her entire catalog in Orlando at Universal Studios underneath a roller coaster. Because the amphitheater is literally underneath a drop of a giant roller coaster. Is Holy cow. pretty incredible. And then to see Earth, those guys in Earth, Wind, and Fire in the 70s, I think, at that point, <laughs> just killing it. I mean, it's like I was tired watching them when I was in my 20s. Like, how are y'all still doing this? So, and then Gladys Knight sang and just tore the house down, as you could expect. So oh, those are yeah. my three. Gladys Knight, Aretha Franklin, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, I'm not too sure exactly how you would top that, especially all you in can. one. No, I'm not too sure that you you could, unless maybe there was some – insane rock 80s rock yeah like a bon jovi like a a bon jovi aerosmith is on my bucket list i don't know if i'm gonna if those guys are still gonna be on a stage when we can go travel places again yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) oh well thank you so that sounds like a fantastic time and god lucky you lucky you to have that in your life especially in your 20s that's like the perfect time for that awesome Well, hey, before we get started, I do want to just let everyone know um, that's listening that we do work together, um, Mm -hmm. Belay Wayfinder, and that we had come to you um, when we needed some help clarifying um, how in the world do we talk about all of our different service lines and have them make sense. So um, we still do. Sometimes you are gracious enough to work within our insane, crazy schedule over here at Belay. (laughs) (laughs) So um, so thank you. But yeah, I'm super excited to get started and talk about story brand and telling stories for your business. So to open us up, tell our listeners who may not be familiar with what story brand is, 
Um, will you explain that that framework? Sure. Yeah, most businesses, whether you're a small startup in a local shop or a giant global brand, one of their biggest challenges is figuring out what do you say to people so that they understand what you do, they know how to move forward, and ultimately they can buy very quickly from you. That is, I think, one of the number one challenges in business. And so the story brand framework takes seven elements of storytelling and uses those and then creates a filter so that it makes it easier, much easier for you to communicate clearly so that you're going to compel more people who are going to buy more from you. Because we love, obviously we love stories. Our brains are wired for story. And the story brand framework uses the the tools and tactics of your favorite filmmakers and your favorite Netflix directors and all those, all the folks you love to then turn it into a fuel for your business. That's excellent. Is that is that why we always want to watch the next it one? It is. Yeah, it's because the and we'll probably get to this more, but one of the core elements of telling a story is a is you gotta have problems, right? I was on a plane, I don't know, three years ago. And it was one of those times where the Wi-Fi wasn't working, so I couldn't really yeah. get much work done. I, and then I'm looking at the movies on Delta and Skyscraper, which is the, the movie about Dwayne The Rock Johnson versus a building. And Dwayne <laughs> The Rock Johnson wins, as he should, right? Right, of course. But if you've seen the movie, like there's this whole buildup, and then he finally defeats the building, which sounds like a crazy premise, but it's actually yeah. kind of interesting. And then within, within like three minutes, the credits are rolling and the movie's over. Right. Because we right. we stay engaged as long as there's problems. Right. Same th- it's why when the new Jack Ryan series comes out on Amazon or why, you know, Queen's Gambit, any of these series come out, they always end with some kind of a hook or problem because they know you right. want to roll into the next one. It's like exactly. we're ready for we're recording this on a Thursday. We're ready for Friday because Disney Plus is smart enough to drop theirs weekly with Falcon and the Winter Soldier and all their Disney Plus series. And they end with a hook, and you're like, oh, now i got to wait a week. What is this, 1994? Right. Like, what is, exactly. what, <laughs> where are we living? <laughs> but it's, it's that, that's part of the story. It's like, what, is the, what are the problems? What are the stakes? And then we want to keep watching and keep engaging until those things are resolved. Yeah. I don't know whether to be mad at my brain for that or excited about it, <laughs> you know? Exactly. So tell us, how did you find your way um, as chief guide at Wayfinder? Yeah, it's a longer story than we have time for on this podcast and with some really mildly ridiculous, quite ridiculous details. (laughs) Basically, in 2016, uh, I had been working for a nonprofit for about 10 years, found myself unemployed and just started looking for opportunities and went a long stretch without anything. And then at the end of 2016, Donna Miller, who some of your listeners probably know, he's been on, Mm -hmm. I know he's done, I think Brian and Shannon have been on the Belay podcast or the Storybrand podcast, and he's been on the Entree Leadership stuff, and he's been in a lot of places. I'd been following him as a writer for 10 or 12 years at this point, and he had started this thing called StoryBrand. And into 2016, they were doing a copywriter certification. They were building a little momentum as a live event experience. I thought, well, I don't have a job. I've tried to work for everybody else. What if I just try to work for me for a little bit until I get a, quote, real job? Right. <laughs> I was also talking to a church at that point about being a, a part-time guy, and I thought, I'll do that, and I'll do this StoryBrand thing, and then I'll get a, quote, real job. So I go get certified, having never done more than just an odd freelance thing here and there for a few hundred bucks. Uh, And then within six weeks, I had a full-time slate of clients from zero to that. And then it just took off from there. And then that was 2016, the book, Building a Store Brands, the book launched in 2017, and the momentum was just built. I started work, the first time I worked with Belay, I think was 2018. That was, I became a Belay client in 2017. We started work together in 2018, uh, and it's just been a rocket ship ever since. That is an amazing story. And I always love how it starts as like just by chance sometimes mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. And and I remember just going back to, you know, we had actually found you because we, we were friends with Story Brand and we just mm-hmm. called them up and we said, all right, well, we're going <laughs> to need some help. So who do you who do you have? 
who do you have that could help us? And and honestly, that's how we we found you was was through StoryBrand giving us you as the recommendation as someone to talk to. So as a StoryBrand consultant, you know, obviously, mm-hmm. and you can tell already, storytelling comes very naturally to you. <laughs> but for businesses, you know, can you explain a little bit more about you know, what do you mean by story? You got into a little bit with the skyscraper, yeah. but why is that important for a business to have a story? Yeah. So there's a couple of things. One, you want to have a a clear story about your business so you know how what to talk about. You, you and your team, your staff can start using the same kind of language internally. So then it rolls into externally. Otherwise, you're just scattered all over the place. That's one reason. Another reason is you want to have something that you draw people into. Right. Because whatever industry you're in, more than likely you're fighting against an ocean of noise. I mean, it's just chaos all day long. And so by creating a story right for your business or your brand where you use those storytelling elements, you're going to draw people in. Now, I want to make sure I'm I'm clear here. Just because we're talking about the idea of story doesn't necessarily mean you need to literally tell stories. You don't you. It'd be great if you told case studies and customer stories, et cetera. But what we're also talking about is let's take the principles of storytelling, what we call in storytelling the seven building blocks, and then pull those in in our marketing and in our messaging and our communication. Because StoryBrand is really just a communications framework. You know, right. one of the things I mentioned was uh, a problem, right? We we pay attention to stories when there's problems. That's how a, over a year ago we were all hooked by a junior college cheer squad in Texas that we had never heard of <laughs> right. and whose cheer coach is like the Nick Saban and Bill Belichick of junior college cheer Yes, because there were like all these problems and all these stakes, right? They were using these elements of story that draw us in and keep us moving. Right. We can use those same things in our business. So we, we want to create a story, but more tactically, we take those individual elements as well and then insert those into how we communicate, whether it's we use those in our, talk about our problem, or we talk about a plan, like what is the next steps that people need to take? What's the call to action? You know, all these things that we see in all of our favorite movies, how do we use those elements in our communication so that we can be clearer in what we're doing? I really get that part about this, the steps. I know that mm-hmm. that was huge for us and something that a couple of things that we always go back to in that framework mm-hmm. of First, identifying, you know, the problem that somebody needs to, that you're going to solve to your point, like the intrigue is in the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, but it's, it was those steps too. Like, well, how are you going to do it? And how many, how many steps are you allowed to give people in order to do things? So is there kind of that guide or that rule for the steps? Like when we talk about, oh, and then here are the steps that you're going to be able to take to, let's say, talk to us, learn about our product, mm-hmm. hear about um, what we do and the problems that we solve. Is there a guide there for how many steps you should be giving people? Yeah, we typically say three. Now, it, depending on the specific situation, like on your website, we'll, sit, we'll say three and they'll be obviously higher level. Yeah. And then when you get into maybe some email marketing or maybe a social media post, it can be more specific. But we say three just because much more than that, people start to get a little overwhelmed. You know, I always often say that People are often standing on one side of a raging river and they see how your product or your service and your company can help them. And they see that as the other side of the raging river. The problem right. is all they can really see is that raging river in the middle. Right. And they see that as the onboarding process, the setup process, the install product, like whatever that is. They That's what they see. And they think, I'm going to drown. Yeah. <laughs> so what a plan does <laughs> is it literally is a bridge that takes us from where they are to where you are and where you can take them. It says, here are the, here's the steps you need to take. But the reality is, like, we're all busy. 
right? And apart from the buying decision that your clients or customers are making with you or a competitor, they're parents. So that means there there might be remote learning support specialists this year. That means right. they're employees. That means their spouses or their friends or their like they have other roles and things going on. They don't live in your world day to day. They're not in your staff meetings. They're not in your Slack. They're not in your Asana. They're not in basic. They're not in your company. And so when we forget to give a plan, what we're actually saying is, hey, we're just going to assume you know how this works. Mm-hmm. And the whenever we assume somebody knows something, we're actually forcing them to think a lot more. Right. And right, to do the right. research themselves instead of saying, hey, here's how it works. Do this, do this, do this. Uh, you see this a lot lately in the last several years in these like subscription box companies. I don't know if yes. you have any personally. But I no. ordered one from for my wife for Christmas. That was Birchbox, I think. I did a mm-hmm. uh, three or six month subscription, and it's fascinating to me because like you open that box and it literally says one, two, three. Do this, do this, <laughs> do this, and they're making an unbelievable amount of money, right? Mm-hmm. It's because they're literally telling you what to do. It's almost like we have to think of our companies as a GPS instead of like the old school Rand McNally Atlas. Like we're going on spring break soon. Nobody is going to unfold the atlas, the monstrosity, map their way from Atlanta to the beach. We're going to pull up ways, hit, right. hit go, start, and we're just going to check out and just literally go where it tells us. That's how you have to be in your business when it comes to giving and planning giving steps. Do you think people are hesitant to use this? kind of story telling you've ever for their brand or their marketing is like sound woo woo. I mean, what have you <laughs> like, what kind of, what have you yeah. heard? Yeah, it can, some people feel a little woo woo about it. Like, Ooh, we're going to use story. And in some ways in recent years, in large part, I think thanks to Don Mill and the story brand team, like more people are talking about story in marketing. Right. And so some of that, I think is just kind of the wave, but I think the reality is the, the reason it gets intimidating for people is because it requires you to write words. And right. you know everybody says public speaking is the number one fear. I think writing if it's not tied it's like 1B. You know it's like public right. speaking, writing and snakes are probably like the top 3. <laughs> and like public speaking is you know like Trisha, CEO of Belay yeah. posted on LinkedIn today about why do some people you prefer meetings and really could have been an email. Right. My response was because it's actually easier just to show up to a meeting and talk than it is to write a thoughtful email. That actually conveys everything that's in your brain. True. The blinking cursor on a blank page is really intimidating. So I think some of it, a lot of it is, it requires us to come up with the right words. Okay. And when we do that for our own businesses, we forget how to speak English. And we just forget <laughs> how language works. We could do it for everybody else all day long and help them figure their problems out. But when it comes to in our business and using story, using storytelling, it becomes, okay, but 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 how do I, how do, I do it? <laughs> like, what does this actually mean? And... I'm now intimidating. Am I using the right words? Am I using the wrong words? You know, I for most of the time with us, it r- almost never is an instance of right or wrong. It's like better or best. Like there okay. might be a best way to say it, a right. best story to tell. But what you're doing is if you get into this, it's going to be better more than likely than what you've already got. Yeah. Right. So it's not going to be wrong unless you're a lawn care company and now you're talking about, I don't know, the problems people have when they get their haircut. Like that doesn't make any sense. Right. But as long as you're trying to think about it through the lens of your customer, it's going to remove that headache and that obstacle of, oh, I don't I don't know how to do this. Like, this is really intimidating. Yeah. And you did mention, like, this is what we're talking about in terms of this is actually a framework. Mm-hmm. Like, it is, to your point, it's not sitting down and necessarily being like, um, okay, 
Well, yeah. how do I do this? Mm-hmm. How do I do this? And I think that has been the beauty of the framework piece is that it gives that path then of of how how to write, how to tell a story effectively. To your point from the movie, and I know that Donald Miller talks about that all the time in yeah. the in the book itself is like going back to those movies that we know and that we love. They are written a certain way for a certain reason, and you can yeah. actually do all of your writing for your company the exact same way. It just takes a little bit of just trial and error until you can just hone in on the exact story that it is that you that you need to tell. Yeah, in 2019, I guess, right when all the when we started seeing all the press around Avengers Endgame, right? There's just mm-hmm. all this stuff coming out. And one of the videos I watched was with the with the two screenwriters for Avengers Endgame. That was a Vanity Fair interview or something. Yeah. And it was they wrote just in context, they wrote Endgame, they wrote Infinity War, Captain America Civil War, and then Captain America and the Winter Soldier. I, I know they wrote those four, they may have written more. And they talked about the writing process. And what was fascinating to me is they said they didn't start their careers as screenwriters. Okay. But they eventually got into it and they read a they bought a book by a guy named Sid Field called Screenwriting. And it's considered in many ways like the Bible of writing screenplays in Hollywood. And he, and he literally said, this is the formula that Sid Field lays out. So when we're in Captain America Civil War, here's how this thing happens. Right. And you're like, I know, these right. guys have written written for like <laughs> movies that have grossed like six or eight billion dollars at the box office. And like, well, we bought this book. And I'm like, I bought it on Amazon. It's $14. <laughs> I've read it myself. But it's like, yeah. I can now see they're literally following exactly what it says. Now they're really creative with it. Right. But they're following. And I think one of the things with marketing in general and, you know, content creation in particular is a lot of people enter into it thinking, well, it's a creative job. Therefore, I have right. to think outside the box, which doesn't actually exist. Right. Like the more you define the box and the more clear you define the guardrails and figure out the framework you're going to play in, the much more creative you can be and the much more freedom I think you have to know which direction you're going to go is to saying, well, we got to write an email to who? Right. People. About what? Our company. Great. That's a, that's an incredible formula for disaster. But that's how a lot of people approach it. Yeah. And what I love about that is is that you are bringing up the point that you don't have to be a master copywriter mm-hmm. in order to at least get this process started and use exactly. this storytelling um because, you know, truth be told, going back to the the clarity and the the simplicity is that bigger words are not better. Like you literally yeah. are are writing to go back to that sixth grade, sixth grade. I know that sometimes they will even say caveman, but it is sixth grade. You need <laughs> no room for interpretation. You need no flowery mm-hmm. l- language. I mean, unless th- that is what your your audience needs and expects of you. But for the most part, um, you're going to use words that you t- that you use when you talk in normal speak, not something super fancy. Now, obviously. There are, that's true and not true, right? There are great copywriters and it it is a skill and an art, but I'm talking about for the people to just get started and play around with this idea, really just using your own words and and the words that you're using just on a daily basis and keeping Mm -hmm. that sixth grade in mind is a great starting point for being able to launch into that storytelling. Another way to think about it is how do you explain to your grandmother at Thanksgiving what you do for a living? Right. Like, and then just talk that way to your customers. <laughs> because <Right>. they know <laughs> maybe as much about you, about what you do as your grandmother does. And your grandmother's known your entire life, right? Mm-hmm. They don't know exactly right. what you do. But the reality is, I th- and you see this on LinkedIn all the time, 
especially in like company bios and about like I read these about sections and it's like we exist at the intersection of innovation and excellence to deliver world class <laughs> solutions to our customers. It's like is this toilet paper? Yeah, you is don't this know. like what is this? Right? Instead of saying we help, you know, like for us, we help brands find the right words so they attract more customers, make more money, and grow their business. Oh, okay. As right. opposed to some of the marketing agencies I see, it's like I don't, I know those. That's I know that's English. I know all the parts of speech are there, but I have no idea what that means. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, I am with you. If you put synergies in, I'm out. Like I don't understand. <laughs> like I don't understand. Like synergies with with what. And, yeah. and, and yes, I mean, even going and researching sometimes different websites, you know, from people that you're getting ready to meet or whatever, mm-hmm. and you have to pause and be like, I mean, I thought they were, I thought they were an yeah. agency owner. Like what's, what's all this? Like, I don't understand <laughs> like what, Oh, maybe I don't understand what it is that they, that they yeah. do. I just want to send people that clip from the princess bride where the guy says, you keep using that word. I, it does not mean what I think you think it means. <laughs> like Inigo Montoya should be the poster job for this. <laughs> uh, I, I know. We could probably just go on. We could go on and on and on about that. And I think this goes nicely into, you know, you have said when you clearly define the products or services you offer, it actually makes easier for you to become known mm-hmm. for something and to attract people yeah. to you. So, you know, we've kind of toyed around, but I would love, give give our listeners like some practical things that they could implement today, like one thing that would help them find those right words or something they could start with right now? Sure. So the big thing is think about everything through the lens of your customer, right? Think through their eyes first. You know, one of the things about the story brand framework is we talk about your brand is what we call the guide. And in movies, you know, like Yoda and Obi-Wan can have classic guide characters in movies. And they're the ones who come along and say, I know what, I understand where you're at. I know where you're coming from and I know how to help you. And they have empathy and they have authority. Too often we get so caught up in our own worlds. We just forget to see things through the eyes of the people we're trying to sell to. So the first, so I would say, think about things through the eyes of your customers. What are they dealing with? What are, what's in their day-to-day world? Specifically, what are they, what are they struggling with? What are their problems that you, you know, you can solve? And sometimes this happens more often, it happens often. People go, I don't know what that is. Well, do you have any <laughs> testimonials? Like, do right. you have any reviews? Do you have emails from happy clients that say, hey, you helped us with this? Find the language that they are literally already giving you voluntarily. Yes. And then now you have an idea of, okay, this is what I need to start saying to people because this is what they're noticing. Like, these are the things that they're responding to. I just was reading a book by Mike McCallitz the other day, and he was talking about this in one of his early businesses, that he, one of the first ones he sold. A customer commented about, how fast their response time was and how great it was. And he said, so I didn't look to improve other areas of the business. He said, I actually looked to improve that because that was right. the thing I knew he cared about. So we started right. talking about that more and then we operationally figured out how to speed it up. So look at what customers are actually telling you already and use their language back to them and then look to see how you can make it as specific as possible because ironically, specificity is how you actually open the door to a broader audience. I mean, that is so great. I love the part about going to the clients and just use the words that they're already using. And I think that goes back to our whole thing about it. You know, it does, you don't overcomplicate it. Mm-hmm. They're already giving you the words that, that are there. I know for, for us into that guide part, we really have to check ourselves and to see it happen all the time in other brands of positioning ourselves as the hero. So we're going to make you great. Like mm-hmm. we're going to, my product's going to make you great. My yeah. service is going to make you great. My, 
all of this. And, and we even to this day have to really look at every piece of everything that we write, every piece of copy and just pause and say, hold up. Are we making, are they, is the customer the hero at the end of the story? Or have we positioned ourselves Mm -hmm. as the hero of that story? We literally have a system that we will walk through all the time um, in, in every piece of content to just make sure that we're keeping ourselves in check there. Cause that was one of the big pieces that we had taken away from all of the, the framework of story brand was stop making it about you Mm -hmm. and actually make it about them. And that's hard for a lot of people because, it is. because as small business owners, I mean, we're wearing a thousand hats and running a hundred miles an hour with a hair on fire, it seems like most of the time. Yeah. And so you just default to what you know. And you, you know, the people we work with are all experts in what they do. I mean, they all understand it, the ins and outs of it really well. The problem is because we get so busy, we just forget <laughs> to think yes. about how is the person I'm talking to thinking this way? Like I you got kids, Amy, so I know you felt this over the years. But like schools are chief offenders at this. Like huh. you'll get it. Like we get stuff home, you know, that's sent home for our kids. He's always is in kindergarten this year. And so we're obviously new to this. Right. But I'll get my wife. She had to pull out something that has a little notebook yesterday. She's like, I don't know what to do with it. Like, what is this? Thing? I have no <laughs> idea. They just assume we know. Right. right. And that's how most businesses are. Is you just without pausing and saying, oh, wait, <laughs> they have, yeah. have no idea. <laughs> and this is we're in we're coming into their story. We don't need to ask them to now enter into our story. We need to go into their story and show how we can make their story more successful. Yeah. That one where you'd have no idea what you're supposed to do, but yet you're expected to. Yeah. Like that is an (laughs) awful feeling, right? No, like no one wants to feel stupid. And here you are, like the highly educated people. And especially it's like, okay, apparently I don't need, I don't know how school I don't know how school works <laughs> yeah. anymore. I, I like, I don't know what happened. Yeah, I yeah. can't even manage kindergarten <laughs> right now or nursery school um, yeah. or or whatever it is. You're the orthodontist, you know, for me. <laughs> so, like, wait, what are we supposed Please don't assume that I know anything about orthodonture because mm-hmm. I don't. I just come here and you do the thing on the teeth with yeah. my kid. And, and that's exactly what I want you to do. I want straight teeth. You know what the yep. win is? At the end, I want straight teeth. Teeth. Yeah. That's why I'm coming to you. I don't. Mm-hmm. That's the end game. My kid walks out with a beautiful smile yep. in, two, in two years and many dollars later. And you would think most of the honest, their website would just say, give your kids a beautiful smile. And they don't. Right. It's like voted number one orthodontist <laughs> in Gwinnett County, Georgia. It's like, who cares? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a, that's making us about you. Is that saying we give your kids a beautiful smile? Great. That's what I want as a parent. Right. Give me that. I will pay for that all day long. Yes. Absolutely. Me too. And I do. And I've paid for it twice. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) All right. So for the person listening who has just paid to redo their website and is now Mm -hmm. listening to this podcast and thinking, oh, so maybe we need to relook at our website. Maybe the story is all about us. And maybe we're using words that people don't even understand, mm-hmm. you know, what is the best next step? Because I literally had that conversation with someone the other day <laughs> where they said, oh, no, I mm-hmm. just spent thousands of dollars to before I got here. They spent thousands of dollars on a website. Yeah. And now I'm looking at it and it makes no sense to me. And I work <laughs> here. So, yeah. you know, what is like the best first step? I feel like that probably happens Frequently, all, especially all when time. after someone meets you or, or le- mm-hmm. learns about the story brand framework, what do you tell them to do? 
Right. So if you've just spent a bunch of money on your website, you don't want to spend any more money on anybody else. And I get right. it. Right. So what I, there's a couple of things I would suggest. One would be to go back and look what you currently have and think, how can I work with what I've got? And the best way to work with what you've got is to figure out, well, first of all, buy Building a Story Brand and read that book. It's one of the right. few business books you're going to read that doesn't actually waste your time. True. I don't want to call the other ones out, but there are a lot of business books where I get, I finish and go, that could have been about half as long and not lost a thing. Story right. Brand is not that way. Uh, so read that book. And then you, what you're going to find is there's there will be ways to infuse those elements into your website, right? The reality is we are just changing words on the internet. We're not shooting rockets to space. <laughs> yeah, we're not performing like emergency <laughs> right. quadruple bypass surgery on a battlefield. Like we're putting words on the internet. So the stakes are relatively low typically. True. So figure out, read that book, and then you'll, you're going to see some ways you can insert into what you already have. Right, that's the easiest way to do it without spending any more money. Obviously, you could hire somebody or bring somebody in to help you walk through that and then figure out, okay, how do I how do I expand this? You may have to hire a, design, hire a designer to add right. some sections or whatever. But start by reading the book and then figure out how you can infuse that into those elements into your own website. That's the easiest way to go. Yeah, no, that's that is fantastic advice. I know here we have anyone who joins the marketing team, that book is actually it is required reading for them. Like we feel yeah. like it is, it is that important. I mean, I'm laughing. It's like this one next step brought to you by but, but it is literally, it, it can truly be game changing mm -hmm. for people to just, to understand that framework and the simplicity yeah. behind it. It can make a, a huge difference. I had the opportunity to actually go to the live workshop um, oh, cool. when they were doing it um, probably yeah. three years ago. And it was really fascinating to sit in a room of people that would bring up their websites and have a after after a whole two days of listening to the framework and everyone in that room could pretty much say, yeah. you know, ooh, like, <laughs> no, but that's not what you like. Wait, hold on. Yeah, that's that, not that, what you said you did. Yeah. So that's mm -hmm. here's what it needs to say. Like, even if you said this, it would be a million times better and people would know that it's yeah it's rearranging words on the internet i had a guy a few years ago who was a, a portrait photographer in chicago and part of his claim to fame was, or not part of his niche was his great grandfather had started the studio in 1914 and so which is impressive right well, a that's always part of the story that's okay. really impressive yes but the problem was that the heading on his website said uh founded in 1914 and that was basically it there was a picture and there was you had to scroll down to really see anything of substance I right. said, Jeff, how many people have called you since you've been doing this for 25 years and said, hey, you know what? You're the only studio in Metro in the Chicagoland area who has been around since before World War I. I want to hire you for my family photos. He said, he laughed at nobody. I said, great. So what you say is we've been providing lasting portraits to Chicago's families for over 100 years. Right. So now you're saying, well, here's what we've been doing for families for 100, over 100 years now. Yes. And you've just flipped those words to be about the people you're serving not to be about yourself. Right. right. It's those kind of little changes that make a world of difference. Yeah. Uh, that is a great, great example for us to end on, I think, today. So I do have a bonus question for uh -oh. you. Uh-oh, bonus question. So as an entrepreneur and your own small business owner, um, what is a lesson that you've had to learn the hard way? And then how did that experience help you to where you are today? Yeah. So mine... Mine might be unique to marketing clients. Maybe it's not. Uh, or marketing agencies. Maybe it's, it's, it extends to other ones. But one of the things I've learned about as a, being in the marketing world and being an agency owner 
is marketing agencies are awful at marketing for ourselves. Like we are so <laughs> bad. Are. And it's not just me. I've met so no, many people. I've seen it so many times. Yeah. It's yeah. like you go on, I've seen marketing agency websites and think, how do you make money? Because I don't understand why people would hire you because of it. And they probably think that way about me at times. We just neglect our own stuff. Right. And it's an age old problem because there's this constant tension of, you know, and y'all know it at Belay too. There's a constant tension right. of how do we serve clients? How do we, you know, acquisition and reducing yes. turn, all those things. But then how do we do the things in our own business so that we can ensure our business is here longer, right? So it's when you're trying to serve customers and you have this cu- this outward, you know, kind of customer focus, how do you still prioritize yourself and all the things you need to get done for your business so that you can still have a business to help customers with? Right. right? And in marketing, it just means doing your own marketing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So wrapping that up, agency owners, do your own marketing first. Mm-hmm. Don't be the is it the peddler, the mm-hmm. shoe peddlers, family or whatever, the people the that don't have the shoes. Cobblers. That shoes. That's what it is. The cobbler's kid that don't have Treat shoes. Treat yourself as your number one client because if you do work for yourself that's good, you're going to be your highest or most profitable client because the work you do is going to produce new clients for you. And that's how you grow your agency or grow your business. Yeah. Perfect words to end with. Do this, grow your business, then grow yourself. So Wes, thank you so much for your time today. It was a super fun conversation. I hope our listeners gained all sorts of insight. They're probably all crazily running back. They pulled up their websites on their phones or they're, <laughs> you know, running back to pull it up on their on their laptop. So thank you so much for being with us today. Hey, thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. We've got a great episode for you next week with executive coach Debbie Stone. She'll be helping us discover the art of self-promotion without being sleazy. Check out this clip from our interview. In the book that I wrote, The Art of Self-Promotion, I talk about what I call sanctioned self-promotion opportunities, the times when you know it's okay to talk about yourself. So in broad terms, those include when you're interviewing for a job, when you are networking, when you are brand building internally, or when you are developing a client base. Thanks for listening to One Next Step. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. Then join us next time for more practical business tips and tools to help you get more done, grow your business, and lead your team with confidence. For more episodes, show notes, and helpful resources, visit onenextsteppodcast.com.